This week on Living the Call, Deacon Charlie sits down with Eric Groth, husband, father, and CEO and executive producer of Renovo Media Group. Eric has spent the last 20 years in film production, including founding ODB Films in 2005, where Eric produced more than 250 short films. In January 2016, he released his first feature film, Full of Grace, and partnering with Sony Pictures, Eric released Paul, Apostle of Christ in March 2018. Join Deacon Charlie as he talks with Eric about his work at Renovo and ODB Films, how Eric and his team are continually striving to produce content that reveals goodness, truth, and beauty through stories of hope and redemption. Bottom line is, you know, we're a film company, but I I, I like to refer to us more as we're a company with a heart to evangelize, and we just happen to use the filmmaking process as the means to that end. This is Living the Call. Eric Groth, welcome to the show. Such a great opportunity to be with you. <laughs> I, I just wish you were here in L.A., but you know we have to make do. Absolutely. I know we're going to be making some L.A. trips in the next month, so we might have to revisit. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely going to have to. Do you, tra- do you travel quite? I mean, I, I assume you're on like location and doing a bunch of stuff all the time. We, you know, I think I traveled more uh, pre-COVID. Uh, with with ODB, we were doing a lot of events with our films. Doug mm-hmm. Tuke and I, we would do uh, parish missions. And so we hit a lot of parishes and traveled around a lot. Um, now, uh, not as much. We've got a new venture, kind of a division. Uh, we started uh, in Iowa, as you know, um, Renovo, Renovo Media right? Group. Yep. That's right. And um, so I am, my traveling is commuting. You know, it's driving mm-hmm. from my West sub- Chicago suburbs to here about five, five and a half hours when I come up. So I spend a lot of time here right now and not as much time kind of hitting the road on the, on a flight and hitting another state. So, yeah, that, that studio, that's where you and I actually originally met. Um, the studio out in, uh, that, that's Clear Lake, right? That's right. Yeah. I was blown away by that. I mean, first of all, I was blown away with the whole idea of Clear Lake. I mean, it's like, you know, made famous by the fact that, uh, uh, was it, uh, uh, Buddy Hopper and Buddy Holly yeah, and Richie Valens and yep. Richie Valens. Those all those guys sadly met their demise uh, in a little plane crash right outside that town. So that was like the town's notoriety. I'd always heard of that crash. I just never knew where it actually happened. But this little town is beautiful, and your your studios there are like state of the art. It's really wild when I when I first checked it out. You know, it's amazing, Charlie. Like we've been, we started ODB Films in 2005. And so for 15 plus years, um, doing a lot of projects, we produced over 250 short films for Catholic teens. We did the Full of Grace, partnered with Sony to do the Paul film, all of that, which was just such a blessing. And we've never, we've always had great ideas, great opportunities to produce, work with great people, but as a not-for-profit, you know, you struggle financially uh, at times to kind of yeah. pull things together. And and the Lord has kind of said, here you go, and has put us in a situation where um, Renovo is a startup, but it's a very well-funded startup with a chairman and a benefactor who is all in financially. So we've, you know, we're on a, as you saw it, we're on a 12-acre campus, 200,000 square foot facility. We're building more sound stages. We just put in an LED volume. So we have LED technology now to shoot, which is really, there's only three dozen studios around the country that use that technology. And we're just trying to make um, 
make this campus kind of a turnkey one stop. We own all the gear, we own all the vehicles, we're building the sound stages, we're building hotel kind of suites within the facility so that people can come here. So it's 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 quite a joy to to be able to dream up ideas and know that they're that we can actually, you know, financially make them possible. Yeah, and you can imagine you, you, it's kind of like um uh, you know what's what is happening in the secular world a little bit in Atlanta, right, where it's become this uh uh, you know, kind of alternative, I guess, to doing all your shooting and filming, um, you know, in LA and in Hollywood and, and opened up an entire kind of economy. And when you hear about, I think it's, is it Pinewood? What, what's, what's that area called? I think something Pine, like that. Pinewood. Uh, yes. The Chick-fil-A, the Kathy family. And yeah. And you've got all this, uh, all this great uh, creativity and content and production things that are happening in other places outside of, of LA. And I think that that's important. This could be sort of a, a you know, a hub in that new kind of ecosystem. The, the reason I think it's important is for all the reasons that I'm sure you are expert in, which is, you know, the, the kind of entertainment machine, irrespective of whether or not your content is explicitly faith-based, but just the machine in general is very tightly held. It's very insular. It's very tough to kind of get in and break through. And then once you're there, it kind of doesn't support a lot of the stuff that, you know, isn't of that food group. You know what I mean? So if it, right if it falls outside of that, it's like, what is this? And it's not super supportive. Yeah, no, right on, Charlie. And I mean, you, you've got like, the, the, you know, we for years, LA and, and New York and, and Atlanta has certainly been a boom now with Tyler Perry down there and with, with all the Marvel stuff being produced out there. And, um, but no, yeah, breaking in and, and becoming a known entity that can, dis, can deliver good quality. I think, you know, when I think about our content and as we grow, you know, Renovo, we're very we will very much do things that are faith facing, faith friendly, family friendly. Um, but more so travel down a, a lane, you know, of values based content. And, and I think if we are going to really break into that space, then our quality has to be the level of everything else out there. I mean, when it comes down to it, people want to watch good stories first and foremost, and they want to see them produced in an excellent way. And, uh, you know, not to go down that road per se yet, but I think that over the years, the church has been, and, and, and Christian filmmakers have been, maybe they haven't had the resources, you know, sure. that, that Hollywood can throw out there to make things. But we're really committed to saying, look, um, our, our productions, the stories are king. They're going to be great stories. And the productions that we're making are going to be uh, as good as anything else that's out there. And, and that's where you kind of can gain some, some respect in the space, right? Yeah. I'm reading, I wonder what you make of all this stuff going on with Disney right now. And, and, you know, I'd be interested in your thoughts just broadly and in general. And what I mean by this stuff going on with Disney is there's been a pretty significant um, kind of backlash, mostly from people who might identify within a kind of conservative or value set, you know, um, around some of the moves that have uh, happened with their new CEO, Bob Chapek, um, recently right? A lot of the involvement in kind of political stuff and some of the stuff that they're doing on the content side. So I'd love your thoughts on that. But just this morning, as maybe a prelude to that thought, I literally, a buddy of mine texted me an article from the Daily Beast. And I like, I like looking at stuff from everywhere because if I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know what's kind of happening, right? right? And apparently there's these 13 um, HBO executives who all got fired and they're claiming, um, and I'm just scanning this piece, but they're basically claiming that um, HBO is trying to figure out a way to court uh, middle America and trying to kind of mm. draw that, that opportunity. 
And so I wonder, as you kind of move forward in Renovo, like, do you see an opportunity for the se- uh, that the secular set will look at, you know, maybe some, maybe this group of people that they've either been ignoring or actively maybe programming against as a financial opportunity and that that might, they might get into the fray? Absolutely. Um, I, you know, there is so much, uh, I mean, front and center, there is so much, you know, woke culture and, and so much, uh, I mean, I don't say active, but just uh, a lot of push against conservative heartland values, you know, and here we are in the, in the heart of the country and literally, and yeah. literally, and that's, you know, our desire is to create heartland content because they're, there's a huge need and desire and request for it. And, and I think the major studios with their execs have not been, you know, really responding in the right way to that. I'll give you an example. Um, I, I won't share specifics, but this is like a legitimate thing. Like I've got, there's a filmmaker that we've worked with who, um, and you know, the, the, the phenomenon of, of the chosen. Yeah. Uh, and the chosen is a piece that, um, you know, uh, you can go to the chosen site to watch it, but NBC picked it up specifically. It's on the Peacock streamer. And uh, we've worked with a filmmaker who is really good in that faith-based space, uh, really good at biblical things. Um, not, not, and pretty real, like not real, not cheesy content, pretty real content. Um, uh, the execs at Peacock after they saw this, the, this, the impact that, that the chosen was making on the site, yeah. um, and the streamer, you know, these, and these are atheists, these are Jewish, you know, execs, people who don't necessarily follow the Christian, Christian path. And, and, um, they, but they, what they did see is the, the, the financial side of that, the right? Dollar the, the, the dollar yeah. bills. Yeah. And so there, uh, there was an exec who sat around the table and said, you know, we need to make more of this content. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and saw a film that our, this filmmaking friend produced and said, Hey, I know a guy to call. And so they reached out to him and, uh, they're down the path now where they're writing a pilot for what could be a very substantial faith-based piece along the lines of a chosen kind of quality, um, on a major streamer. And I think you're going to see more of that because I think, um, that one in particular, the chosen showed that, Hey, money can be raised to produce these kind of things. I mean, they raised over a hundred million dollars, you know, to do these films and, and that people are wanting and demanding it. So, Hey, if anything, if the dollar is speaking and these execs are going, you know, there's a need for it, we can make money off this. So be it. Cause then we, then you kind of open up a window uh, for the, for good content to be poured in and the Holy spirit to, to respond. I've been following a little bit of the HBO shakeup too. They've canceled some very substantial shows that they've already had, you know, produced and post-produced and they put millions and millions of dollars into them. Um, but I'm, I'm, I, you know, more to, more to investigate, but I, but I'm, I'm seeing the, these execs, you know, looking at the big picture down the road where things are headed and maybe it's better to cut some things now and rebuild and rethink and revision because in 10, 15 years down the road, there might be a greater need, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think The Chosen is such an interesting use case too, because, and, you know, I definitely know the series well. It's a little bit of like, you know, catching lightning in a bottle in a way because it was put Mm -hmm. together in this sort of unorthodox way uh, the the makers, I mean, obviously everybody involved, super talented. In fact, I've got Jonathan Rumi coming on the show um, awesome. in about four weeks. But you have all these super talented people. But 
they they just took this super unorthodox approach to get this movie done and then it just caught fire and it went and it went you know bananas and now that it's that it is on the streaming platform you know those guys look at analytics all day you know what i mean they're like right. okay what are the shows that are working and what's the stuff that's new and what's the stuff that's syndicated and like and they 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 have this like crazy chemistry set of mixes that they try to you know, put together. And so there's no doubt that they've been seeing some of that and going, wait a minute, what is this? And the thing of it, just as I heard you talk, because I was thinking, well, wait a minute, there's been other big economically, you know, meaningful Christian and or value-based films, maybe most notably The Passion of the Christ, which was like a global thing. But I can totally see some of the guys that you just described, right? These sort of more, you know, secular atheists, et cetera, people who have come from different faith traditions, looking back and seeing that and going, okay, well, but wait a minute, that was probably Mel Gibson. And we're talking about the life of Jesus. And it's like, this is a, this is like Christmas. It's like, yeah, it's religious. And, but you know, we can't just make 10 more movies about the passion. Right. So, but the chosen introduces a different concept, which is like, here's a story that is, is serialized. It's got characters. Yes, it's scripture, but they also, the writers have taken a tremendous amount of liberty to kind of fill in the gaps of what may have happened. And so it presents to them, I think, kind of like a conundrum, which is like, wait a minute, this isn't like your standard kind of Christian thing. And yet it's really right. working. Maybe there's more of this kind of stuff that we can do. And it's like, it's, it's funny, the irony of God, that maybe we can use this crazy machine that's all money motivated, but somehow Christianize it, right? So you get some of this good content out. Right on. You know, one of the things that's really motivated us over the years is JP2 and his last apostolic letter on the rapid development of communications um, one of the things that he said that really struck a chord for us was, was everything possible must be done so the gospel might permeate society, stimulating people to listen to and embrace its message. Mm. So a lot of times I think, and, and, and he, in it, he goes on to say, he defines the, the, this technical abilities that are developing as kind of, he used the term, the intermerifica, like it's, it's not something that secular culture has created. And then, and then, and then God and, and the church has said, you know, like, Hey, that's really good stuff. Let's utilize that to pr promote the gospel. What he was saying was, these are intelligent things that come out of this intelligent design and ideas that yeah. God has put in the man. And, and that, and it really motivated us to use, use early on in our ODB days to use the conduit of the internet to continue, you know, to, to speak really positive messages and put these messages out there. And I think, you know, these channels are all created and set up. And if we can get execs that are, you know, allow that window to open, allow that content to come in. And I think it is doing things like you said, it was lightning in a bottle, no doubt. However, it's kind of along the lines of what we did with our full of grace film, yeah, where we were envisioning what, what would Mary's role have been in the lives of the apostles 10 years after the resurrection, when there's heresies rising up and the church is starting to struggle and, um, and, and to, just to, to imagine and, and, and do the in between the lines and bounce it off the right peoples to make sure we're not being heretical on how we're presenting content. But the beauty of the chosen is it's a Jesus story, but it's told in an all new way. You're looking at the yeah. lives of the community, the lives of the apostles. Um, and, and I think, you know, without sharing, uh, too much Intel, this, this, this new Peacock series that our, our, our friend is working on, which people, it'll be released soon to, is, is really looking at an aspect of the Christian story from perspectives that's never been looked at before. 
But I, I think, think it gives something new and fresh, right? It does. It's super cool that, that you know that, that that's part of the, the the part I really like about the chosen is it's not short on any dramatic tension or great acting or all mm-hmm. that, but it also like really. Um, What's a way to say this? It, it, it kind of shines a spotlight on, on you know, otherwise m- maybe mundane things that help people get like an inside view into what it meant to actually do this. The sacrifices, the struggle, the things you'd have to give up, the, you know, even the sort of interrelationship drama, right? You got Peter and his wife and they're kind of, you know, scrapping about certain things. I mean, all that stuff is like. It, it's it's really good, but it's it, but it's it, you know it's happening in the orbit of this sort of great story that's that's being told. Right. But we don't always get a chance to look into that like kitchen scene, right? Of you know a I couple totally having a question about stuff, and it's like that's so cool. The other thing that you just brought up to me, which I think is exactly right, is if you think about you know the Marvel, right, the MCU, uh, all of these different things. When a when a studio feels like it struck gold, is when it it has a world that it can exploit, right? It's it there's a thousand storylines, there's ten thousand characters, everybody's got a backstory. Look at what Disney Plus is doing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? It's like literally there's an offshoot every five minutes. Now you got She-Hulk, you got all these other crazy things. But like when you think about our story, like our story is literally the universe. It's like why couldn't (laughs) we why couldn't we have this kind of offshoot and all this, you know, stuff. And that way of thinking of it I think is really, you know, important to, to consider. And I don't know if we always have, I always feel like we sort of, yeah, we got the greatest story and the story is this, right? Jesus was born, he died, he resurrected for our sins. And we kind of focus on that little moment, even though it's the biggest moment in all of history, but nevertheless, it's like, we just tell that story really well, at least historically in the arts. And yet there's this, all this other stuff that I think could be amazing, right? Podcasts and series and like, there's this whole universe. The, uh, you, right. The, the, the Bible is the, is the biggest collection of, of IP in the public domain possible with lots of stories to tell. Right. Absolutely. And you, don't, you don't have to go option it. You, you, there's so many great stories there and, and no, I, I, I'm with you, Charlie. And I, you know, I think you had made a comment about, um, uh, just, you know, people kind of in their everyday lives sitting around and looking at the yeah. stories from a different perspective. I, I remember being a kid and going to our church and staring at those incredible stained glass windows and being in awe at the lives of these saints with the halos around their heads. And, 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 and I know that our call to holiness is a call to sanctification. It's a call to become a saint. And what does that mean? And, and, yeah. and what, how does, what does that practically look like in, in, in our everyday lives, you know? And, you know, we went down a path of saying, hey, let's show people what uh, a saint looks like. You know, they were mm. real people just like you and me who struggle and, 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 and to help people identify with that. Because if they can see examples of people who are just like them, who were invited into God's world, God's life, God's mysteries um, in the very practical, often mundane aspects of life, then, you know, I can look at that story and go, hey, Maybe, maybe I can attain that. Maybe I can achieve that. Maybe I do have a reference here when I'm struggling with something. And, oh yeah, this great saint was struggling with this too. But I, we have to, we have to present those things in story as very real people who walk the earth because they were historical people who walk the earth and live that story. You know, you talked about earlier, um, you, you, when you were talking about your buddy with the peacock thing, you're like, you said, not cheesy. And it's interesting that, and I, I get what you're talking about, but it's, it's, 
it's kind of crazy to me that we we have to issue that disclaimer. And I understand why you're doing it. And I do it too. But the idea of, you know, values-based and, and specifically Christian, well, specifically Catholic media has lately had to carry that disclaimer of like, hey, this is like really good, right? It's not like your typical what you would expect, right? And I find right. that wild, right? Because if you were pitching a show to anyone, right? Name your, name your streamer, name your studio. Like you wouldn't start with that disclaimer. You know what I mean? Typically, you're like, we're making a sports film, but don't worry, it's not cheesy. Or we're making a, you know, dramatic. And, and, but, but, but the reason is because there is this sad kind of history of the stuff that gets put out there of not being of the quality um, either, you know, and, and maybe in a number of its elements, right? The actual physical production, the writing, the acting, et cetera. Right. And I, I, like, to me, what's that, like, what is that about? Is that funk, is that just a function of money? Is that really what it comes down to? Or is there something more there? We're like, I, I don't know. G give me your thoughts on that. What, what is, I think what do you think it is? Right on. I think it's, I think it's how I would say we, how the Christian filmmakers entered into the space. And, you know, uh, I thank God for the Kendrick brothers who made that little facing the giants film, you know, in their church community, in their Baptist church community. Um, and they were filmmakers at heart and they wanted to tell the story. I mean, Dallas Jenkins story is pretty amazing too. And you'll have, obviously you'll have him on in a few weeks, but I think of some of the, in the Irwin brothers, you know, who, who kind of dove into that space and were serving a very particular niche audience mm. in that evangelical world that really does, you know, want to see, um, uh, that kind of conversion and 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 renewal process happening in front of them, like in the stories, you know. And I think they went down that path. And traditions are are different, right? Like our Catholic tradition is very different from our evangelical brothers and sisters and some of their experiences. And um, but I think it kind of started on that foot of like in that church and. Uh, it was such a, it was so well received that they just continued to go down that path and they knew they could do it on really low budgets. They had a yeah. great following and they didn't. And so, so they didn't have to make it better. Right. Mm. They didn't, they didn't necessarily, they weren't compelled because it worked. And, um, I, you know, I, I love it. I think beauty, goodness, and truth for the sake of beauty, you know, and the call to excellence and, and the desire to bring things that are more into the human experience and what feels more like how I walk my life every day. I think we're seeing that transition. So I do default to using, and I don't like to, Charlie, but I default to say in comparative sense, like I want to take Christian films and filmmaking um, from, you know, a simple formula of yeah. like my life was terrible. I found Jesus. Everything is great, which is, seems to be the formula of the, you know, the four spiritual laws that have kind of been put down in film to, you know, I've been struggling with Jesus. Sorry about that, Charlie. Yeah, no worries. Um, I'll start that again. Uh, I, I have my, I have my daily struggles. Um, but I know that, um, that, um, and my life, even, even in baptism, even in being empowered by the Holy Spirit to live my life, I, it's never going to be clean. It's, it's always going to have messiness. 
Um, and, and what does that look like? And I think it's not being afraid to embrace that human nature and the, and, and the sin that we struggle with and the sin that we live in and the culture that we live in and the devil who is attacking in all kinds of ways and to be very honest and real about it, I think is key. And it's really honesty in filmmaking. It's beauty in filmmaking. It's, it's, it's telling truthful stories that I think that's where in a lot of ways that I think we've missed the boat over the years, but I do believe it's getting stronger and it's getting better. And the passion was one that really kind of put it on the map and kind of mm. launched, um, I believe into that, into that space. So I think it, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting to see the level of influence that 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 film has had on, you know, the creative community. I, I, I don't, I'm not educated enough to know the players and what impact that film has made. I definitely see it from a ministerial standpoint. When I talk to people, I know it in my own life, you know, that, oh, it was, you know, something happened around the time I saw the passion of the Christ or whatever. There's like a moment of inflection that happened in people's lives. So I do see that what that moment of inflection created in the artistic community. I don't know, but I imagine that the effects were significant and I would agree with you that I think it is getting better. But I think that this idea of like, okay, we got, you know, a few bucks, we want to make this movie and we're going to show it in the parish hall or we're going to have, you know, a hundred people watch it and it's going to be, I think that in a way though, that's also a bit of, you know, this kind of scarcity mentality that, that doesn't take into account the virtues that we've all been given, one of which is, um, uh, magnanimity, right? This idea of being made for greatness, right? Of, of really, you know, it's okay to reach for the stars and, and do something extraordinary. Hey, have you seen the new Elvis movie? Oh, I have. Yes, absolutely. Dude, I, I'm looking at this film and first of all, I, I had no idea cause I was completely checked out of the marketing of this movie. I had no idea that it was directed by Baz Luhrmann literally mm -hmm. on the first, in the first 20 seconds, I'm like, Oh, is this a Baz Luhrmann movie? You could just yeah. tell he had like, there was like a signature on it, right? These crazy multimedia things, these fast takes, this like, you know, layering in of different cinematic elements, like, and, and then of course you had uh, this guy, Austin Butler, who just killed it. I mean, like amazing, totally you know, performance. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, what is, what is a film around the sort of cinematic universe that we're talking about, right? Scripture, the lives of the saints. Mm -hmm. What does that look like in the hands of a dude like Baz Luhrmann? Like, if you could get a guy like that to really make that movie, like, what would that thing be like? And it's like, you know, that guy doesn't have scarcity mentality, even though he's not working on this kind of stuff. When he's like, I'm going to make Elvis, I'm going to make Elvis the best, biggest, most crazy, boldest story ever made about this man ever. And he's competing with 10,000 other things that have been already told about this. And that dude is thinking about, like, what's the best that I can create? And he really did. And I find that sometimes that's lacking in us, right? We sometimes confuse, you know, humility, which is with which is a virtue, with kind of like mediocrity. And it's like those are not the same thing. I, I don't, I don't know, I don't get that. And I wonder if that scarcity mindset has something to do with this. Yeah, right on. No, I, I, I think you're right on. I imagine, you know, that's the that's the that's the approach we really need and, and should take, right? Like, go all in. Um, um, don't satisfy or don't, don't settle for mediocrity because we're Christians, you know, or yeah. mediocrity because we don't have the, the budgets. I, you know, for me, like, uh, story is king, get the right, assemble the right teams, um, uh, put the right people together to make the absolute best product you can. 
um, and think big, like think, think, you know, what would this look like? If, how would a Baz in, in, in interpret this or, or envision this? How would a Mel Gibson, you know, who has incredible filmmaking vision, um, uh, you know, we need more filmmakers to think that way, um, feel the call to that, have the desire to just produce with absolute excellence um, and be creative in it too, and, and fresh and new, and look at the gospel and gospel strands and gospel stories, and understand that we're being called to present that with excellence. And 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 if we truly are going to be evangelistic, we have to do it in a way that's inviting. We have to do it in a way that's opening up uh, real channels into people's lives because they can connect to the material and relate to the material, even if they're outside of it. We, we had um we've had a couple of really great experiences, a number of them on set with some of our feature film development and um, our, our, our full of grace film, as well as our Paul film. Like I'll, Charlie, I'll get, I'll get asked the question a lot. Like when we're talking about the films and the filmmaking process, I'll get asked the question. Um, sorry. You still getting, getting pounded over here. I'll get asked the question a lot. Like, where do you go and find, all your Catholic actors and all your Catholic, all these people to be involved. And I'm like, we don't, we know that, you know, the Lord has, we don't actively pursue it. We know that the Lord has given us a mission to create good content, to love people, to invite them into the faith through a very natural process here. And we're like, Lord, bring whoever you want, you know, right to the table. And, and our, our full of grace film, we had Muslims and Jews and Christians of all flavors and non-practicing, you know, to kind of create an environment for people to see something that was, is, is pretty real. We had a, a great experience uh, on our set of Full of Grace. Our first assistant director got to know him a little bit, and his name was Dave. And I got to know him, and I liked him a lot. And he's a little rough around the edges. He shared with me he was from a Jewish background. He kind of grew up in that industry. And he, um, you know, at the second to last day of filming, I went up to him and I asked him if I could interview him for a, 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 a like a behind the scenes video. And he kind of looked at me cross-eyed, like, "Why would you want to do that?" And and I, but he was honored, you know. And so. Uh, I, the last day I, I got my camera out and I said, well, why don't you first start telling the, the viewer what, what the first assistant director does? Cause a lot of people won't know. And he starts talking and he stops and he looks off camera at me and he says, Hey Eric, should I refer to this as a Catholic thing or a Christian thing or what? You know, and in, in context, he's you know, like, we're all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life coming together to make a film about the Blessed Mother, right? Sure. And uh, and I said, you know, Dave, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me, you know, whether you're Catholic or, or you're Christian or you're evangelical or you're Jewish or you're Muslim or you're non-believer. I said, I think there's something for everybody in this film, you know, yeah. so you call it what you want. And he said, okay. He looked into the camera and he said, this is the first time I've ever been a part of a Catholic film. Mm. And he, he started to cry. Wow. And I, I know he didn't expect to have that kind of emotional reaction. And I, and so I waited. He went on to say three things. He said, he said, the script is beautiful, um, which was, it was nice to hear. You know, he said, we became like a family producing it. That really swelled my heart. And then the last thing he said was it made faith accessible for me. And I remember That's hearing that huge. and I, we finished the interview and we sat there he, we fist bumped. He went on his way. And it was just that like moment where I felt God speak and say kind of just the reality of how important we are, how valuable we are, that the reality is God cares so infinitely for each and every one of us that he could have done that whole film project just to have a moment to grab that guy's heart. 
I was going to say the exact same thing, Eric, was like the the, the entire production, your entire company, the fact that it exists, all of your projects before it, all 250 docs could have literally been for that one dude. That's how much the, you know, the one, the the going after the one you're leaving the 99 behind. That's the guy we're talking about. That's what we think about Charlie. And that's what motivates us. And it's like, it's not just about what we put on the screen. It's about the people we get to journey with. Uh, in, in, in process, knowing that we're just going to love, I mean, what did I take away from that time with David? I, I took away that with this guy, I took away that we, we, we lead with beauty, right? Like we mm. lead with beauty and it swells and it opens the heart that we love like family that, you know, we treat the people around us like they're, they're family and family's messy at times, and, but it's being real with people. Right. But that, and then also that we're finding the right ways and the right moments to invite people into the mystery, into the, into the, and be invitational into what, um, following Christ looks like, what it could look like. Um, and, 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 and those are key. We've had a lot of those experiences, which has been really neat and encouraging for us because bottom line is, you know, we're a film company, but I, I, I like to refer to us more as, you know, we're, we're, we're a company with a heart to evangelize and we just happen to use the filmmaking process as the means to that end. Sure. And even beyond, I mean, evangelization, yes, true. in like a kind of a broad tent way, but you're also, that story to me also is very emblematic of, of this idea of accompaniment, right? Where right. you're literally, here's a person who doesn't share our faith tradition. Here's a person who you, you know, you describe maybe are a little bit, you know, they had a little, they were a little cantankerous here and there, whatever we all are. But, you know, somebody who, you know, maybe is unexpected and here through this project and through the way that you responded to this person and, and maybe some surprises you did for them, you know, hey, you want to do this BTS thing that he wasn't expecting. All of those to me are really evidence of, of, you know, methods of accompaniment of literally walking with somebody, right. And spending that moment with them and, kind of helping them along their way. And in the process, it's also helping you, right? That's again, the great, the great sort of irony of God is how he does all this stuff. It's like the buddy system. So I think it's also emblematic of that, that it's not just I'm producing something that is out there and it has this evangelistic quality, but it goes beyond that. It's like, yeah, this was the medium through which I had this exchange. I had this opportunity and that's where I think like film and audio and all these things, they do have that opportunity to do is to become kind of the, 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 the content that we use to a company. It's not an end in itself. You know, it's not like, oh, it was seen. It's how do we use this as a way, as a vehicle, right? As a vehicle to like kind of right walk on. and help walk with people. It's, and it's being very intentional, but not being necessarily programmatic, you know, in a lot in what we do. And what I mean by that is like, it's like waking up in the morning and realizing that here we are on day number 25 of 30 days of shooting. And Lord, I, we're here. Help us represent you well. Help us love. Pop up those opportunities, wherever they may be. So many of them we'll never see. We're at the, at the end of our, like the last week of our Paul film, one of our lead actors, uh, who was just a hardworking guy through the whole time. And he, he, he came up to, he walked up. I see him, we see him walking up to a, a group of our produce, producing team. And he walks up and he's got a cigarette. He takes a cigarette and he takes a puff out of his cigarette, uh, takes it out of his mouth. And he looks at the team and he goes, you know, this is the first time in my life that I didn't think Christians were full of shit. <laughs> and he turns and walks away. It's and we're like, did, was there something 
you know, that we intentionally, we didn't, that we didn't necessarily have a moment of conversation with him, but he saw what we were doing. He saw how we were living. He saw how we treated each other, um, which is quite different from uh, so much that goes on in that space in a Hollywood set, right? You know, you're a job, you're, you're, it's a job, you're a commodity. And if you don't do it, you're replaceable. And what we're saying is we care about you. We love you. And uh, the intentionality is, hey, this is a mission field and, and whatever you want to have happen, Lord, you, you make it happen, you know? I think we all have to remember that there's a thousand and one reasons that people use in their own minds to justify why they're not living a life of, you know, a, a religious or a faith-filled life, you know. Um, and one of those, you know, that I've come across many times in ministry and in conversations, because I work with non-believers and atheists and people from different tracks all the time, just right. like you do. And one of the things I hear most often is, well, you, you know, I, I'm not religious because I think religious people are hypocrites. Like that's one of the things that rises to the top is one of the objections. Now you could approach that in a very apologetic way and say, well, that doesn't follow. That's like not going to the gym because there's people that are out of shape that are in the gym or people that go to the gym and then go eat a McDonald's or have an ice cream cone. Their inability to access the benefits of what they're doing does not make the benefits wrong. Like you could, you could totally approach it mathematically like that because the statement itself has a bunch of illogic, but what works even better than that, which I think this particular actor may have been responding to is like you guys in your day to day stuff, the things that I see, the way you treat each other, everything you just said, you're not evidencing to me the kind of hypocrisy that I envision. Right. So like you're literally living out this really, this real authenticity. You're not talking about the catechism. You're not ta you're not quoting saints necessarily or saying, you know, here's some, uh, you know, teaching from the magisterium, but you're living this out. And that's really attractive. And people maybe can put that objection to bed. And that's all the Holy Spirit needs is like, just right. put that objection and then they can, you know, kind of build on that. And I, I, I don't think we appreciate just how much that like authenticity with another human being uh, can do in terms of their own faith walk, because like, you don't have to answer every question, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have to, even the show, Eric, like this show, I get asked by people all the time. It's like, well, what's the show? It's like the, to me, what the show is, is a discovery platform. I want people to hear really interesting voices. And I trust that the audience is intelligent enough that if they do, they're going to find out everything about you. Right. Let them go research where you went to school and how often you've been in this business and how many films you've done. But to me, it's like, I want this show to be like a discovery platform. And I think accompaniment is that way. I think it's an authenticity is that way. It's like, whoa, this guy, Eric was really like, it was, a, you know, I'm not Catholic, but we did this shoot. And I don't know. It was just like the way he treated his crews. And like, you know, they did all this stuff. Next thing you know, 20 years from now, that's part of a conversion story. That's literally you know, how conversion it, stories begin. It's right on, Charlie. You know, and I, and also the, just the humility and knowing that, um, there's a person sitting right in front of me who yeah. I don't know real well. There's a person sitting right in front of me who may not know an, an iota of the catechism, but, but that is an, that is an infinitely loved person who not, not only is it my mission to, to, to be a witness to the goodness and the beauty and the truth of our Lord, but that person has things to teach me. That person can help me become a better person. That person, I want that person to accompany me through my journey of life. And it's not just like going after them and going, Hey, you know, I'm going to proselytize. And then, and, and, you know, how many notches can I put on my belt today? I'm like, it's, it's, it's that, you know, accompanying it's, it's being authentic, but also being humble and going, we're, 
you and I are loved the same by the creator, right? And, um, and, and, and that's, that's spot on. I, you know, I, it's, I, I hope that I can offer to the people who I get to work with, uh, something, uh, in comparison to what they give me, you know, that's a, that's a huge insight. You know, this idea of the two way street, because it is right. I think my wife and I work in homeless ministry and, Mm our ministry is principally an accompaniment ministry. Like we literally walk with families. It's, we work only with families, like, you know, moms and kids and dads and kids and that kind of thing. And it's really about just kind of walking with them. That's what we do. I mean, right. if people ask me, what do we do? That's what we do. But the part that we've learned, the insight that we've uncovered is this kind of notion of the two-way street, which you've just identified that I think is, is, you know, sadly, even in our own lives, when we first started this, we weren't really considering. It was more about what can I do for you, right? right. You're down on your luck. I'm not, I therefore am going to help you. What we found in 20 years of doing this is that God was using those experiences to actually form us, to make us more holy as well, right? To transform us. And it was wild, right? To discover that because at that moment, then it, be, it changes everything, right? Where we, when we do an onboarding of one of our new families, we have this intake process. And at some point in that, it takes weeks and weeks to do because you got to let your walls down, right? People don't trust you. It's like, it's a whole weird vibe, but at some point at their appropriate moment, when somebody says, oh my gosh, thank you for this. Thank you for helping me get into a house. Thank you for helping get my kids, you know, into school help. Like when they say, thank you, I, I say, you know, you're welcome. But then I, I hit them with like, Hey, listen, when I need some help, like I'm, I expect you to help me. Like I, mm-hmm. like this is a two way street. This is about right what, on. this is a relationship. Right. And, and I'm telling you, dude, when, when, when I say stuff like that, and I don't use exactly those words, but they're like, what? And it's like the most of all the value that I think we provide, there's probably more value there because they're like, oh, wait a minute. I am someone who can, I can contribute. Give. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. wild. No, it's, it's not about what I can do for you. It's not about what you can do for me. It's first and foremost, Lord, what are you calling me to be? And then let's look at the beauty of what we can do together, you know? And, and man, I, you're, that's spot on, Charlie. Like, when, when someone is in, I, I always think one of the greatest things that you could do for people who are just kind of absorbed in personal selfishness in some way or another is invite and encourage them to go out and do for others. Because, you know, you, you, maybe you're struggling with all kinds of things in your life and you're struggling with depression. When you can go out and see that you can be a blessing to someone else um, you are, you are basically igniting the reality of the, of, of the truth of who they are and what they have to give, give the world. So it, it's, it's really, uh, you know, I commend you and your wife on, on, on that acknowledgement of, of, uh, of that process. Cause it, it, for me, it really is like, wow. Um, I'm sitting across, I mean, mother Teresa, right. I mean, it was always like, I, if you can look at a, the person across from you, and see them as that poor person of Christ, that mm-hmm. figure of Christ who, who is, who has that poor spirit. And, and, and I can, I can, I can become a better person, a better man, a better father, a better husband, a better brother, a brother, son, a better boss, you name it, because the people around me, um, um, love me and, and want to lead me in those kind of directions is, is incredible to me. That's another super big insight too, because this idea of if you want to get yourself out of depression, get yourself out of anxiety, 
go double and triple the amount of time that you're spending helping somebody else. And I'm telling you, it's like, it's like super, it's like a antibiotic for, for feeling, you know, low or having anxiety. I, I, and I know this only cause I, I also live this. Like I went through a period of time in my corporate life where I was devastated with just insomnia and just anxiety. I was just like, I was wrecked. I mean, I couldn't sleep for months and when that started to change is when I started getting much more involved in kind of my ministerial stuff and kind of, put, and it was the worst time for me to try to do it. Cause I was like, wait a minute, now I got to do something else. I'm like, I can't, all, I, I already can't handle everything that I've got. And now here's this opportunity to do something else, but you know, encouraged by spiritual directors and my wife and other stuff, I got, I got into doing more of this and that stuff really did subside because in, in, in reaching out to others, you actually do transform yourself. And a lot of anxiety and depression issues are really kind of when you ratchet up the volume of that internal dialogue and it's like all you can hear. All you can hear is the, the, the accusations, the challenges, the, the kind of imposter syndrome, all these. When that volume gets really high, it's when right. we get really messed up. And when you turn, how to turn that volume down is oftentimes by going and, and giving energy to others and giving love to others. And it just, it, it minimizes that, that whole dialogue because that can get pretty, pretty big, pretty loud. Well, that's what we're made for, right? We're like, we're not, we're, we're made to be in communion and relationship with others. That's how naturally we're structured. So, um, and people, people come into hard times for all different reasons and, you know, anxiety and depression, and there's all kinds of life factors that lead people there. But, but the unfortunate reality of it is all of those kind of things just do that. It just, it, it pulls us in, it gets real loud. And, mm. uh, I know I've, I've, I, one of the, when I'm down, one of the best things I could do is go be around people and, and offer some part of myself to them that can put a smile on their face, you know, and it just renews my, the, it refreshes and, and resets, you know, what I'm, who I am and what I'm intended to be, what God wants me to be. And it doesn't make it easy. It, it reminds me of a, of an Ignatian principle, uh, which in Latin is agere contra, and it means to do the opposite, right? So mm -hmm. when you feel like you can't take another thing, you can't put another thing on your plate, that's the moment when you need to add this particular, you know, outreach opportunity, right? Um, when you think like you're physically drained, that's the moment when you should go run a mile, right? It's like, it's this idea of, and it follows because God's very much about this, right? First, you'll be last, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, this whole idea of, of being a contradiction to the world, right? And so I, I've always found that some of those kind of contradiction moments are actually really valuable. They're, nu they're nutritious to the soul, you know, to do, doesn't make them easy, but they're, they're nutritious, right. For, for us to, to, to get after. There's a revival, like a renewal that comes out of that, that you're surprised by, you know, cause you're yeah. like, and then, and then you're reminded like, oh yeah, <laughs> you, you get it, Lord. Like you, 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 there is that contradiction, but it, but it, it, it's essentially, giving us a new way of grooving and patterning our, our daily functioning that we just, we, we, we get in these ruts and we can't get out of them. But when you can kind of face that, it's like, wow, that's, that helps me look at it differently. No doubt. Yeah. I think, um, you know, as we get to kind of the, the end of our time here, Eric, we're going to get to our, our final segment, wait, what, but I want to mm -hmm. give you, um, an opportunity to chat a little bit, um, about what you're excited about, right? What, 
what kind of is coming next. We didn't get a chance to talk too much about story, which, you know, is another big part of why I value so much what you do and what other makers do in the world is I really think that story is a really critical part of 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 helping people, you know, kind of build their spiritual imagination, their sacramental mm-hmm. imagination. That's what story helps us do. But when you think about like what you guys are, are up to next and like things that are on the horizon for you, like what's exciting to you, whether it's directly related to your work or just things that are out there that you're excited to, to see. Well, thanks, Charlie. I, you know, um, I really feel like the Lord has said, you know, um, ODB has come to this place and now we're just going to keep growing and make a larger impact. And, and I, I love team and I love working with people and I love empowering people and their gifts. And, you know, with ODB, we've worked with a small team over the years of three or four, um, We've, we've certainly expanded that out when we were doing feature film projects. But uh, on the Renovo side, we're, we're building a team, growing it to about 25 or 30 people. Um, nice. I'm really excited about the ecosystem that we're creating, you know, this, these new technologies. Uh, we're really embracing them. The use of the LED technologies uh, really allows us to go, hey, we're going to make this campus the place where we do everything that we need to do unless we can't kind of the default mm. is everything's going to be done here, you know, where we, we don't have to worry about locations per se and weather and time of day. And, and I, I dream of a, of a, a filmmaking ecosystem where our people can uh, roll cameras from 8 AM to 6 PM and go home and have dinner with their families and go home and be home with their families on the weekends. And just to, you know, just to do things that are, are counter the real typical culture of it that, um, when, that are, is much more uh, family-friendly and family-based. You know, we care about the person. Um, I want their best. And, and those things really excite me. Um, I could talk for hours about the content that excites me. You know, but we're developing um, uh, limited TV series. We're developing feature, uh, numerous feature film concepts and uh, non-scripted. We're developing uh, narrative podcasts. In a, mm. in a week, we're going to be shooting a, uh, a five-part narrative podcast on the David and Goliath story uh, with about uh, 30 voice actors and uh, really excited about that and just doing all kinds of, of things. Um, really all kinds of genres and but the bottom line is that everything we do we want it to be the stories and content that gives hope yeah and stories and content that um always uh leads or shows the possibility of redemption in the human life Mm, um hope and redemption and and so whether it's a podcast, whether it's a, a, a non-scripted, a TV, a feature, I think that's going to be the common um, common thread through it for us. And what um, adds to the excitement for me is we have, a, we have the ability to financially make this possible now on a much grander scale. So taking what we've done over the years and just scaling it up, and adding greater excellence, um, greater involvement from from more people. I, that that I'm really excited about. I'm excited to tell um, saint stories and scripture stories from different perspectives and different angles, but also to be really clever and creative in telling, you know, and and, and showing the beauty, goodness, and truth and stories that would be as inviting for the atheist as it would be for, for the person who's been following Christ all their life. My favorite review of our Paul film of all places came from the village voice. Yeah. I read it. And 
Yeah. In, in the title of it said, um, it's a miracle. This atheist critic kind of likes Paul Apostle of Christ. <laughs> and, and, and I thought that we, it, that is exactly who we need to write for. If That's we can gold. write and create something that is accessible to all audiences, um, then, then we're on to something. And I think, you know, again, I mentioned Mel Gibson. I think he does that really well in a lot of the stuff he's produced. I, one of my favorite Christian films of all time, which was, certainly wouldn't fall into that category, was uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, and stories like that, where you just get the you get the gospel embedded in the experiences of the life of people who have said, "Yep, I'm going to follow you." Doesn't mean I'm going to take a Bible and bang people on the head, but I'm going to go and live my life the way you're calling me to live. And uh, and I, I, you know, I'm excited that I think we we just have a greater opportunity now, Charlie, to do um, to uh, larger scope things. And, 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 and engaging a, a greater amount of people in the process. Yeah, that's huge. Um, yeah, that's, that's exciting. And look, we'll include, um, you know, links to Renovo, to ODB, um, you know, other things in the show notes so people can avail themselves of the things that you're talking about. But that's a great vision. And, uh, and we're super bullish about it. And, you know, count on the prayer, my prayers and, you know, hopefully by extensions, the prayers of this audience to make that um, a reality because, you know, th this audience, Eric, uh, you know, based on the analytics that I've done of it is kind of what you just described, right? You've got your devout folks who are like, yeah, give me the Jesus biopic again. And then there's people mm -hmm. who are not even believers who are like, look, there's just, these are some interesting conversations and I want to learn more. And I think what you're looking to build, you know, could address, you know, that broad swath, right. In a really mm -hmm. solid way. So, so yeah, that's awesome. Uh, really want to thank you, uh, for coming on the show, having this conversation with me and, uh, you know, know that we're going to be, uh, praying and cheering you uh, from the sidelines. Thank you, Charlie. That means the world to us. I, you know, I'm a big believer in, in, in God's providence and God's direction through prayer and praying for people all the time it goes back at you too. I mean, that's, it's, um, we're, 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 uh, we're dead in the water if we don't have that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right, Eric, are you ready to play then? Wait, what? Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So here we go. Three questions tailor made for you, my friend. Um, and you have a chance to, I know you you like baseball, so you've got a chance to bat a thousand here. So nice. question number one, Eric, Florida Southern University, where you went to school, has some notable distinctives. It's the oldest private university in Florida, uh, built in 1883. It has the world's largest single-site collection of Frank Lloyd Wright architecture, which I didn't know. And the fact that in the 1920s, after a fire, it moved its campus to Clearwater, the very same place which is now billed as the Mecca of blank. Oh. <laughs> oh. And I can give a hint. Get that one. Give me a hint. There's a very popular show right now on Netflix starring Leah Remini. Oh, sure. Uh, 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 Christian Science. Close. Right? Scientology. Scientology. Sorry. Scientology. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yep. So they, that, I actually watched that whole, I binged that whole series. It's crazy. Series. I mean, yep. yeah, a lot of interesting stuff going on there. But yeah, in fact, uh, Clearwater is literally called the Mecca of Scientology. It's kind of a crazy yep. thing. That is a crazy right. thing. I'm going to give you points for that one, though, because you got the science word in there and, you know, I knew it was on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Question number two. This is a true or false question. Eric, St. Charles, Illinois, where you're originally from, is named after my name. It's a true or false question. So it's named after my namesake, St. Charles Borromeo. Actually, Carlo Borromeo, a 16th century Catholic cardinal of Milan and a key figure in the counter-reformation of the early 16th century church. So true or false, Eric, St. Charles, Illinois is named after St. Charles Borromeo. I love that, but I'm going to say false. And you would be correct, my friend. St. Charles is not named after St. Charles Borromeo. St. Charles was originally called Charleston. But apparently in 1837, a guy named Stephen Jones, who was a lawyer, alerted the town officials that there was already a Charleston somewhere else in Illinois and that the other town had registered first. So they had to change the name. And Jones came up with the suggestion of St. Charles because he reasoned it was similar enough to Charleston. There were no other towns with the name of St. Charles. And uh, it, in fact, it was not named after a person at all or a saint from what I was able to dig dig up. And the correct spelling is not S-A-I-N-T. It's actually just S-T, period, Charles. Exactly. So there you go. I'll tell you, um, our theater in town is the Charlestown Charlestown Theater. So they they kept a little bit of some of that history in there <laughs> a, little, a little attribution all right my friend well you're doing really good you're perfect so far so final question this is a you know kind of like make it your own stream of consciousness question. So you're kind of guaranteed to get this one right but <laughs> here it goes eric due to an asteroid strike off the coast of canada sea levels have risen globally and most of the world's remaining inhabitants live on a series of archipelago type island chains which are the remains of countries that we once used to know. You live on one of these little islands now, and because of the great disruption to the internet and media production, you only have access to the DVDs that survivors have available on your island for entertainment. Pickings are slim, my friend, on your little island. There's a total of three DVDs, all of them from the 90s. Hankering for a movie night, you go through your selection and you pick one for the evening. The choices are the Wachowski Brothers' The Matrix, Disney's The Lion King, or David Mamet's Glengarry Glen Ross. Which one, Eric, do you select for movie night? I am going with The Matrix. <laughs> going with The Matrix. Uh, love that Love that series. Love the, uh, especially the original one. Loved uh, a, a lot of the Christological elements in, in The Matrix itself. Yeah, the first one was wild, man. I remember watching that in 99 at the theater and coming out of the theater going like, what in the world did I just see? It was... Yeah, no, I had that same reaction. I was a kid. One of the first things I saw in my hometown of St. Charles, Illinois, as a nine-year-old kid, eight-year-old kid, was Star Wars on the big screen. And I remember having that reaction. Same as you, Charlie, seeing the Matrix and seeing the way they handled those shots. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? (laughs) Yeah, something really special. All right, my friend. Well, thanks for playing the game. You did perfectly. Great job. It's a rare feat on this show. So nice work. Um, And yeah, you know, again, thanks for everything that you do. And we'll definitely uh, be praying for you, my friend. Thank you, Charlie. God bless you and all you do, too. If you're listening to our voices, that means it's time to subscribe. So share this episode with someone that you love. 
someone you think can benefit from this conversation. And we'll see you again next time on Living the Call.